All right, you can be turning your Bibles to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel and keep your place there. Uh, this morning I'm going to move quite a bit through the scriptures. You're not going to be able to keep up if I'm to get through things in a reasonable amount of time. But I will be in Daniel for a good portion of the time this morning. So you'll be able to read along with me there as we read through some of the, the stories in Daniel. Now, I'm going to be preaching on the subject of the fear of God today. The fear of God. Now, last week I alluded to the fear of God. And I think many times we think of the fear of God from a negative standpoint. And certainly for the ungodly, it will be a negative thing. We think of that God, in a sense, has a paddle and He is ready to use it when we get out of line. And certainly, God can correct us along the way, lovingly correct us. But the fear of God, I don't want you to think of it as punishment. I want you to think of it as prevention. Now, I really need you this morning to think about what God is trying to tell you this morning. You know, the fear of God is, is a positive thing. The fear of God is seeing God for who He truly is. Now, I might preach sometimes, or Brother Mike might get the opportunity sometimes to speak about, what he talked about the character of God or the attributes of God, but I think they can be summed up in one word. If I'm going to sum that up, I'm going to say one word. I'm going to say worthy. Worthy. The psalmist said, I will call upon the name, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And that's in Psalm 18.3. The fear of God is well described in the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. As far as a description, some descriptors of the fear of God. Here's a definition for the fear of God of God or the fear of the Lord is used as well. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Psalm 19.9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is also brother to knowledge, understanding, and wisdom from God above. Job 28.28 says, and unto man he said, behold the fear of the Lord that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding. Have all they that do His commandments, His praise endureth forever. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, folks, is a choice. 
Proverbs 15, 24, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for they, they, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a choice. That choice is, by the way, a life or death choice. Proverbs 14, 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 16, 6, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Though we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, it is still an everyday choice of the believer to exercise the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 23, 17, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. Every moment of the day, we make choices to exercise the fear of the Lord in our lives, and when we do, we redeem the benefits of life that it has for us. You know, the jobs we work not only come with a paycheck, they also come with benefits. And those benefits are as equally as important as the paycheck. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It is your choice to accept Christ as your Savior and have eternal life. That's the paycheck. It's been direct deposited in heaven for you. Yeah, don't you like that? You don't get the paper check anymore. It's, it's direct deposited the day you got saved. But there's another choice we must make to possess the benefits for the temporal mortal life we live in today. The fear of God. The fear of God is how we possess those benefits. And it's a great benefit package. We, that we can take possession of. But not everybody takes all their vacation days of losing. Not everybody takes all the things that they can have at their work. And, and I'll tell you, Christians don't take, because they don't fear, have the fear of God, take possession of all what they can take possession of. Here's some of those possessions. Psalm 34, 9, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Don't overlook this. This is known as complete satisfaction. I don't want anything else. The world only has contentment to offer. It is temporal and can never be satisfied. There is satisfaction in the fear of God. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. He that hath it shall abide satisfied. Proverbs 19.23 Proverbs 15.16 Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. We tend to focus on the word little here. Thinking like a song that... We sing that I really don't care much for to sing. 
because of the tone of it. Actually, when I sing it, I almost sing the tone of it. I got a mansion just over the hilltop. Just a little cottage below. Just a little silver and a little gold is all I have here. It's all up there, you know. That drives me crazy. It has a tone of not having abundant life here and now. What I see is just a little with the fear of the Lord is greater than the greatest possessions one could possess here with all the baggage that's attached to it. Little here means extreme potency. We, this used to be a pool store. And we would sell chlorine. And we have people come in and complain about the price of the chlorine. Now, I'll just give you some percentages that are easy to look at. The chlorine we sell, say, has 12% active ingredients. The stuff that compare it to, that we say are 50, they say is 50% more at our store, has 6% chlorine. What that means is you can dump all but the 12% out of one, fill it up with pool water. It's the only active ingredient is that small part in it. We have double it. We're only charging 50% more. But I'll tell you what, that won't get through people's heads. Better is a little. What God gives us is big. It's powerful. And you think of all that comes with the things of life here. You try being rich one time. You try being famous. Those people have misery most of them too. All that goes along with that. Proverbs 10, 27, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Prolonged days is increased opportunity to serve in a time that we will never have again. You need to understand that. We only have... We only have this amount of time. When we're in eternity, where eternity is, this is gone. I believe God is giving us a lot of time. He's prolonging our days and our life to gather riches for Him that we'll never regret. What we will regret is not taking advantage of that. And we must have the fear of the Lord to drive us into that. Proverbs 14, 26, And the fear of the Lord is strong, Confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. How important is confidence? Perform, uh, performance is directly tied to confidence. We over at Tim's house, Tim Reader's house, and we're working putting siding up on high places. When you nail up a piece while standing on the last rung of a ladder, reaching over to the side. The performance goes way down. And that nail is close enough. <laughs> Both speed and quality go down, the tubes, when there's no confidence of what's under your feet. The fear of the Lord is not just confidence, but he says strong confidence. And by the way, our confidence, the Lord provides a needful place of security with our children. You realize that's what that's saying. Our children shall have a place of refuge. They'll find it in strong confidence, our strong confidence in the Lord. 
Proverbs 22, 4 says, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. The fear of the Lord, when coupled with humility, don't forget that word humility, is the place of true blessing. We talked about it before. I mean, you can have a lot of things, but a lot of stuff can come with that. Proverbs 10, 22, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. That's what you want to look for. I tell you, I've had projects. And I got them done, but there was a lot of sorrow with it. But then I've had God just touch a project. And there's just no sorrow with it. It's just amazing when God does something. And to God be the glory for that. The fear of the Lord is to be taught. And it is to be learned. Just as parents teach right from wrong, so does the fear of the Lord. Psalm 34, 11, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, what does that look like? It's got to be taught. It's got to be learned. Proverbs 2.1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her for as silver and searchest for her, her as hid treasures then then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God you best be digging you must be it says receive hide incline thine ear apply thine heart cry us after lift us up thy voice seekest her searches for her then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord. Now from this backdrop, I'll preach a message entitled, Am I Living in the Fear of God? You know, there's something that's a little, might sound a little crazy to you. But as I type out messages and I come across the word Jesus or God, I capitalize it. Sometimes I mess up. I take the time to go back and capitalize it. You never know. There's just some, a certain fear to me about this, certain respect in that to do something like that. Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, I don't know. But I do it. And there's certain things that you're going to need to look to in your life and be honest with yourself. Do you have the fear of God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, you've already preached it to me and preaching it again to me, but those out here can hear and I pray that they'll understand, that they'll hear what you have to say to them about this thing. I simply ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know something, just to tell you as a pastor, you know, we were <laughs> going over the church uh, on Wednesday nights and... and uh, Looking at that, and it gets to the pastors there, and, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, the people from the other seat, you know, really, you know, who the pastor is and how you ought to view him and, and all those things, and it's nice, but I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm like, man, what a responsibility. You know, if there's one thing, I'm, here's what I need to do. Here's what a pastor, simply a good pastor will do. Is they are preparing you to meet the Lord, folks. 
preparing you to meet the Lord. And you've got to do that in a very truthful way, even though sometimes it's hard. But in a very loving and a caring way, at the same time, it's a job. And it's a serious job. We just, <laughs> when we talk about the churches, yeah, and I, I'm along the same lines. I believe the, those angels of the church, are the messengers there are, are the pastors, the people responsible. There's a responsibility, a God-given responsibility. You know, to best understand the fear of God, I would like you to compare it to the nervous system in our body. Nerve sends signals to the brain for interpretation. <laughs> now, I had a bad view yesterday up on the siding. I saw Tim holding a nail for Mike, who is left-handed, not left-handed, but swinging left-handed. <laughs> now, I had a bad experience one day with my brother with that, and he slammed my thumb. I mean, it was amazing. I lived through that. I mean, you know what he said? That was weird. That felt really soft. <laughs> you know, if you touch a hot stove, you receive a signal of pain, don't you? It tells you to take the hand off of the stove. In the opposite way, nerves are what stimulates life. It is touch that brings warmth, comfort, and the highest pleasure our bodies can experience. The fear of God is what draws you close to the bosom of God. John the Beloved basked in this. David the sweet psalmist, the man after God's own heart knew this in Psalm 1611, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Things like reading, studying, and meditating on His Word a life of continual prayer, a life of craving the fellowship of God's people in His church and the opportunity to tell others about Christ. It is listening to God, talking to God, giving God glory through the church and working the mission fields with Christ in you. Here is a good place to measure the fear of God in your life. Are you excited about learning more of God's Word? Is your prayer life increasing? Do you love going to church and is soul winning becoming more of a passion for you? Do you feel the pleasure of being close to God? Can you say like David, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That is the good feeling, the right feeling, the peace that the fear of God provides. It is doing what you should be doing. The other side of the fear of God is the part that keeps you from that keeps from doing what you should not be doing. As the fear of God draws you to cleave to that which is good, it also compels you to, with the same force, in an opposite direction, abhor that which is evil. Pushing the wrong way drawing closer to God. Now, how do we measure that force in our life? And that's the bulk of the message today. The measurement for that comes from a life lived with convictions as a believer. A convicted life. We're living in a time where you don't see too much 
convictions in living. It's setting boundaries and standards around our lives that keep us from getting out of God's will. It is living a life of conviction. When you have the fear of God, you live with conviction. There are many good examples of people who lived in the fear of God, whose demonstration is nothing else but you could say but convicted lives, conviction. They simply stood on God's word, having done all to stand, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Noah, 2 Peter 2.5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. You think we're living in a bad day now? I don't think we had anything to what that was then. And he had to preach. He stood. He built this crazy ark that probably everybody made fun of, ridiculed him. But he stood. He was convicted. He's convicted and he knew God. See, conviction not only keeps you right, but it gets you knowing God and trusting God. It gives you strong confidence. All those things that we just talked about. Job. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Well, I'll say it again. I think Job, when I look at the specifics of that, he was one of the greatest men in the Bible. Joseph, who had every earthly human reason. I mean, we know how we are. And the pressures that he had to give up on God. He patiently served in the fear of the Lord to the point where he could say to his brothers in love, As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So we don't miss some of the other ones. What about the Hebrew midwives? But the midwives, remember they were supposed to kill all the babies in Moses' day? But the midwives feared God and did not as the king commanded them. That's a pretty, pretty strong stand. But saved the men children alive. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Conviction. Conviction. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this batter of this little burning fire you're getting ready to throw us into. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We could jump into the New Testament and find all sorts of examples like Cornelius. He was an example of one that feared God that was demonstrated with conviction. Acts 10.1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house. With all his house. Listen to this man. Which gave much alms to the people. Gave his substance because he was convicted and prayed to God always. 
But I'd like to take a closer look today at a person named Daniel. And if you're in the book of Daniel, we're going to be in chapter 1 to start with. He was a man of great conviction. I tell you what, I'm going to have everybody just stand up a little bit. Just to give you a little, little break <clears throat> from sitting. Daniel 1.5 says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You, you go ahead and may be seated now. Where did he get that from? I'm just going to say, it doesn't say it, but I think Daniel knew the book of Proverbs pretty well. I believe he got it from God's book. Proverbs 23.1 says, which was written well before him, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. He took God at his word. Daniel just took God at his word. We take too much time explaining and trying to justify what we do and just saying this is what God said. It's okay to get... It's difficult and maybe you struggle with it, but it doesn't... You don't change it. Okay? Daniel just trusted his word. Daniel 6.3 This Daniel was preferred above the president's and princes, because of an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel 6.6, 6, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdoms and governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make firm a decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, you know, a lot of us would make sense. Well, you know, it is the king. We are supposed to obey the king. <laughs> Daniel was going to obey God. He had a conviction. He went into his house, and his windows being open, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Where did he get such strong confidence? The book says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. 
Daniel 6.14, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased within himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Daniel 6.16, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake unto, and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice, Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. You know, Daniel had the respect of those people around him, all except for the God-haters. The ones who just hate God, hated Daniel. And you're not going to get away from that. But we ought to be a loving people. <laughs> Favored, hard workers. Ones that people like, look up to. That's Daniel. That's a person of right conviction. Daniel 6.22, My God has sent His angel and shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Proverbs 14, 26, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You're going to find there's going to be some children that don't have a place of refuge in this situation because they didn't have the fear of God. Daniel 6.23, Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Ecclesiastes 8.12, Though a sinner will do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. Now I'm going to skip to verse 25. I'll come back to Verse 24 in just a moment. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree, um, Peace be multiplied unto you. And then verse 26 says, I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before God, the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and steadfast forever in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Now I want to come back to verse 24. And the king commanded. And they brought those men. I want you to think about this. These godless people. Which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them, and it says, and break all their bones in pieces, and then it says, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. I don't know that they hit the bottom. It reminded me of this scripture, Luke 20, 17, and he beheld them and said, what is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. 
Daniel went through some difficult things. There's a cost that comes along with living in the fear of God, but it is temporal. And God is by your side. Those who have no fear of God, there is for them eternal destruction. Those who have no fear of God is the path to eternal destruction. Paul describes the path of degradation of those who do not fear God. In Romans he wrote, they glorified him not, they weren't thankful, they became vain in their imaginations, and their heart was darkened, they presented themselves or professed themselves to be wise, they changed the glory of God. Not only did they not give him glory, but they changed glory to the things that he made, to corruptible man and to animals. They exhibited uncleanness, they dishonored their own bodies between themselves, they gave up to vile affections. They received themselves that recompense of the error which was meet all the disease of the mind and body that comes with that kind of lifestyle. And then over to a reprobate mind. In Ephesians, he describes the vanity of their mind, the understanding being darkened, being alienated, being ignorant, blindness of their heart. And then he says this, past feeling. Past feeling. A lack of the fear of God leads to nerve damage. Today you may not have measured up well to the fear of God. You may have felt the pricking of God's word, and that is good. That is good to have. Okay? You know what to do with that. But nerve damage, being past feeling, a seared conscience is a serious thing. You know, we might like the thought of being numb, and the older you get, the more appealing that sounds. <laughs> but that is a very bad thing. Any doctor treating a diabetic will tell you that the numbness leads to lost limbs, lost organs, damage and loss of life. I have some nerve damage in two of my fingers. I got smashed at the readers. She feels bad about that. It's fine. It's no biggie. But then it's coming back. The nerve feeling's coming back, okay? <laughs> Though they don't, they don't hurt, but I feel them all the time. I, I don't know how to describe that, but you just feel that like they're a sleep feeling kind of thing. It's not a good feeling. I shouldn't be feeling at all when I'm feeling. You know, I had some numb, and you, you all probably can relate to some of this, probably. And if not, just wait. But... I went through a time where I had numbness in my shoulder. When my wife started rubbing my shoulder, I couldn't feel it. I couldn't receive it. Numbness is loss. Numbness to the fear of God is a very serious thing spiritually. If not taken care of, it leads to other pain, difficulty, and eventually death. Heads bowed and eyes closed and the pianist coming to play. I want you to think about these things. Are you hot to know God better every day? To know Him. To be closer to Him. Are you actively cold against the world that seeks to take your life from you? Or are you, as the three bears say, just right, comfortable, seared, numb? Are you content with your spiritual condition?
We talked about the book of Revelation, the churches, the letter to the church at Laodicea. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods. And I'll tell you what, we've got in this country just about everything and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You don't know you have a problem. I counsel thee, but there's a cure for this numbness. To buy of me gold tried in the fire. Get out there and give God a try. Put yourself out on the line. That thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyes salve, that thou mayest see. In Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And he's talking to his church, to the people of his church, not to the unsaved. <laughs> he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Amen. I, I just pray that the Lord speak to us, shake us up a little bit. Um, so much to gain. Getting closer to the Lord and, and pushing back evil out of our life. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes is talking about the life of, of man. Ends with a general conclusion of how to live this life. In the last chapter, 12, beginning verse 8, it says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. All is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even the words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the master's of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the whole, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good, Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessed word. Help it to change our lives. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to keep evil out of our lives and to love people better. Love them enough to tell them about Jesus. For we ask it in his name. Amen. You are dismissed.